You got to get a grip. Grip. I want y'all to see it this way. Grip. G-R-I-P. Grip. Grace resting in place. I mean, you got a hold of this thing. God's grace, which is mercy, which is power, which is endurance, which is push, which is pull. It's God's ability to get you from where you are to where you're trying to get to. It's God's ability to get you to, to that place. But you got to have that grip. You got to have God's grace resting in place. This is the Faith Center audio experience, spreading the word of God around the world. Because with the sword of the spirit and the anointing of God, you can go forward. If you don't mind, would you please say, I have arrived. Praise the Lord. Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans. And he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. My, my, he missed business. For he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, come on and say the place, <clears throat> he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, this day is salvation come to this house for as much as he also is a son of Abraham for the son of man is come to seek and to save that which was lost and the word of the Lord is blessed you may have your seats Saints, it is a terrible thing to see in the distance or just ahead of you what you need and indeed what you want. But there is a great hindrance that challenges or 
defies your possession of it. This actually is a story that has a place in each of our lives. For everyone present today, there was and surely is something that you desire to have. And watch this. In fact, it's God's will that you would have it. Yet between you and it is a thing called hindrances, challenges, obstacles that say that infamous word, no. Or if you want this, if you're going to get it, you're going to have to fight for it. Mm -hmm. I have discovered an awesome truth in life and because I realize it, I don't get so upset. I didn't say I don't get upset. I said I don't get so upset when it's challenged. And that is the first fight is to get it. The second fight is to keep it. God will bless you with things and stuff. He will even bless you with spiritual things, you know, like peace of mind, calm, blessings. But it's a whole nother thing to keep it. This story doesn't talk about that, but we know that it's somewhere in the text. It's one thing to desire and want and to fight to go after it and receive it. It's a whole nother thing to keep it. Have you ever pleaded out to God saying, Lord, I just want peace. Lord, just give me rest in my mind. Lord, heal my mind. And God answers your question. But not long thereafter, maybe a day or two, a week, or however long that recess is, something again comes back to challenge your peace. Mm. You got to be willing to fight to get it. And you got to be willing to fight to keep it. It exists on every level. Whether it's in school, whether it's on your job, watch this, whether it's in your marriage. It's one thing to get him or her. It's a whole other thing to keep it. And I'm not talking about them wanting to run away. I'm talking about daily stuff. You know, things happen. People go through things and sometimes they see things differently. Don't always have eye to eye. But it takes a strong stance to remain firm in the fact that you know that God put you together. And what God has put together, let no man, let no thing, let no object, let no ideology, let nothing separate you. Faith Center, are y'all willing to fight for what's yours? My mind. This truth not only exists as it pertains to material or social objects, material things, you know, things and stuff, but it also applies to spiritual objectives that we have. I don't know about you. I, I know the Lord is my Lord and Savior. I, I have a love for God, uh, but I, I want more of God. I want to get closer to God. I want to see Jesus. And in seeing Jesus, what it means is I want to receive him as Lord and Savior. But it doesn't end there. I want to know him more. I, I, I want to become closer to God. The Bible says, the Bible says as it relates to Abraham, it says God showed 
to the people of Israel his acts, A-C-T-S, the things that he does. But to Moses, he showed him, the Bible says, his ways. I don't want to just see, oh, don't, don't get me wrong, don't, don't, don't get it twisted. I want to see the miraculous. I want to see what God does on my behalf. But I want to know his heart. I want to get into God. I want to know how he moves, how he breathes. If, if it's possible, I want to know how he thinks about me. I want to know why he does things. Because if I understand why he does, it can help me form myself, my, my pattern of thinking more uh, accustomed to what I know that he's now going to do. I pray y'all understand that. So I don't want to just see his acts. I, I appreciate that and I want that. But I want to know the heart of God. So that I can please his heart. I can anticipate what God wants and give it. That's my desire. But even in that, there are things that hinder us once we've got it. God showed him his, the, the ways, his ways to Moses. Moses knew the heart of God. But there's times that he still had to fight. Y'all remember we talked, uh, we talked just a couple of weeks ago that Moses went up so happily and proudly up into the mountain and God blessed him with the Ten Commandments. God spoke to him. You know, his, his image, we talked about that earlier today, was changed. I mean, he looked like God. God, if you understand what I'm saying. But when he got down and saw the craziness that those people were doing, dancing naked before a calf, a golden calf, talking about this is the God that brought us over the Red Sea, Moses lost it. So what I'm saying is sometimes you've got to even fight to stay in your stance of holiness and godliness because if you don't, you'll end up striking people and hitting people and hurting people and throwing away the things that God gave you that God never intended for you to hit that person or, or to throw away this or that. So you got to fight to stay sane. You've got to fight. Once God gives you that peace, you've got to fight to stay in a place of peace. Ah, are y'all still with me? And so, the fact remains that Zacchaeus had a desire, but there was a hindrance. Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. Because he heard that Jesus was passing by. I don't know about y'all saints, but I want to see Jesus. If you can see more of Jesus, you will see less of what people are trying to do to you. If you can see more of Jesus, you will see less of those who are trying to hurt and kill you. If you can see Jesus. And that's really what it's all about because God's got you. If you keep your face and focus before God, God knows all the things that go on around you. The, the word lets us know that God knows all the cares and concerns and your needs. He takes care of those when you take care of his business. Which is keeping your face before him. Your actions before him. Staying in obedience to the Wait a minute, it's awful quiet here. Is this too practical? Do I need to use more eloquent words? I mean, are y'all getting this? Are y'all getting this? Work with me, church. Work with me. Hindrances. Title of the message today is, I want to see Jesus. 
Mm. If that's your testimony today, won't you help me repeat today's message? Look at somebody face to face and, con and, and convince them if you can. Tell them, I want to see Jesus. I want to see Jesus. But what you will discover is that there are hindrances. You don't have to like it, but you better deal with the truth. Because the truth is not going to change to make you happy. As I say often, truth never comes to you. You must come to it. You must recognize it. And you must conform to truth. Because I promise you, God's truth will never conform to you. It will never take on your truth or your perception of what it ought to be. I'm God. I change not. Mm. Hindrances to obtaining our most honorable desires come in many different forms. I just want to talk about basically one today. Basically one. The Apostle Paul says in Galatians 5 and 7, he says this. He said, ye did run well. Who did hinder you? that you should not obey the truth. We got to understand this. Truth. You got to come to that place of truth. This is real. This is reality. This is God. And then we've got to conform to it. But there are going to be hindrances. Look at somebody say, there will be hindrances. Whatever you desire in life, I know it would be wonderful if you could just step up to the plate and hit a home run every single time. But there are hindrances. You have to deal with the wind. You have to deal with the way that the, the pitcher throws the ball. You have to deal with your own emotions. How are you stable? You have to deal with your physicalness, your stamp. All of these variables come into play in order for you to hit a home run. It's a fight to deal with it. But fight you must. Nothing is so simple that you don't have to do anything. Welcome to life. Welcome to life. You did run well. Who did hinder you? And that word hinder in the original language is a very interesting word. It literally means, it literally means to beat back or to put in check as if it was a ship on the ocean during rough seas. The idea is you're trying to get from one place to another place. As we said the other week, there's a place that God is trying to get us to. And we're truly trying to get to that place. But in the process, waves sometimes beat against us. The winds are often contrary, so it tries to push us back. Sometimes we'll make three steps forward, and that wind, if you're not careful and you're not stable and steady, it'll push you back too. So you've got to be willing to be in it to win it. You've got to be willing to fight. You want your sanity? I, I, I'd love to tell you something different, but you're going to have to fight for it. Mm. You want peace on your job? I'm just going to tell you the way it is. You're going to have to fight for it. And I don't mean getting up and telling somebody awesome and cussing the boss out and all that carrying on. Sometimes you got to get up, take your early break, go to the bathroom, and have a little talk with Jesus. Whatever is correct, whatever is godly, that's what you've got to do. You want it, you're going to have to fight to get it. You want it, you're going to have to fight to keep it. 
That's a present reality that you've got to understand. Well, God gave it to me. Why am I going to lose it? Because you didn't fight for it. Mm-hmm. All right. Hindrances can prevent you from having or becoming all that God has for you, but you can overcome every hindrance. You have the power to overcome every hindrance. All right, can we talk to ourselves today? Okay, so I want you to talk to yourself and say, I can overcome every hindrance that comes against me. Come on and say, everyone, everyone, everyone. Bishop, where you get this kind of thinking? I, we say it pretty much every week. Isaiah, I believe it's Isaiah 54 and 17. The word of God says, no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. See, we have a right, and I didn't finish the, I didn't finish the, 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 the scripture yet. We have a right to have what God has for us. The Bible says, for this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. You have a heritage, you have a right to win every time you fight. Don't confuse the fact that you're fighting. Don't confuse that with losing. Don't confuse the the fact that sometimes you get hurt as you're fighting. Don't Don't confuse that with losing. There's a difference in being hurt and winning. I have never lost a physical fight in my life, and I've had a few. But I promise you I'm not boasting because I bear the marks and scars in my body from those fights. So sometimes as you're fighting, your emotions get hurt. Sometimes in your fighting, you lose things, stuff, and people. But it doesn't mean you lost the battle. Don't equate losing things and stuff with losing the battle. Because I'm looking at the people, everybody in this room has lost something. You may have lost an argument, but your point still remains valid. You may have lost this or this one, but you're still standing. The enemy meant to take you out that you'd never be able to fight again, but you're still standing. Praise God, you're still here. The enemy thought he was going to be able to just stamp you out or stomp you out, whatever the proper phrase is, but you're still standing. And in fact, you know that that thing should have taken you out, but because God stepped in, it wasn't able to take you out. God gave you strength when you ran out of strength. No weapon that's formed against you shall prosper. Very quickly, I want to talk to you about the number one enemy to your success. And this is all pointing to Zacchaeus, to Zacchaeus. The number one enemy to your success is your belief system. You can read the word all day long, but if you don't believe it, it's not going to help you. 
You can hear truth, stand in front of the truth all day long, but if you don't receive truth, it's not going to help you. And just because a person knows what's true, doesn't mean they're going to do what's true. You got to perform it. Your belief system. Proverbs 23 and 7, please mark it down. It's not a strange scripture, shouldn't be a strange scripture to anyone, but it's so powerful, it's so true. Proverbs 23 and 7 says, For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Hmm. As a man, that's the A clause of that. As a man thinketh in his heart. Can I tell you there's a difference between the heart of man and the mind of man? Amen. What's in your heart, it comes in and it can leave. It, if, you're ma if you're mastered by your thinking in the mind, you will be tempted to do any kind of thing, anytime. But it's the things that are in our heart that's in the fabric of us. If the soul of you is saved, then the heart of you is saved. That's why the word of God must be resident in your heart, not just in your memory banks, not just in your, I don't care how many scriptures you quote, you're quoting them out of context. It doesn't mean what you're saying it means. You're just trying to use me. You're trying to deceive me by telling me this particular scripture that doesn't even apply in this situation. That's mind knowing. That's the word hidden in your mind. But when it's in your heart, you, you are conformed to that word. You become a doer of the word, not just a hearer of the word. That's why you've got to receive the word of God as your truth. Because you will always act out of the issues of your heart. We move according to the issues of our heart. What's in our heart? The thinking of the heart. Are you with me? And so now when you hear God and when you read the word of God, You've got to let it seep in and soak in and become a part of the fabric of your existence, of your heart. Become the word. How do you become the word? The word was with God and the word was God. The word manifested in the flesh and it was Jesus. You've got to become the word of God. For God so loved the world. When you become love, you can love anybody. Jesus had the type of love that enabled him to love anybody. The truth of the matter is Zacchaeus was a despiteful fellow. He was a deceiver. And some might even say a robber. He was not just a tax collector, but he was a chief tax collector. They gained their wealth by deceiving and tricking and taking advantage of the people, taking their money. But Jesus loved him. Jesus loved him. So we've got to become the word of God. I no longer read the word just to see a narrative. I no longer read the word like I'm just reading a novel. I read it so that I can see myself in the word. 
I read God's word so that I can see God in the word. I read God's word so that I can see how God moves. I want to see his ways, not just his act. I'm clear on what he does and what he does blesses me. I talked about that a little before. It blesses me to know that my God, where there was no food, God caused food to come down and, and lay on the ground every morning and for 40 years he supplied the needs of God. God is awesome. I'm, I'm happy for that. And that's what God did. But why did he do it? Because when you know the heart of God, you can conform to the ways of God and then you become the word of God. You become the essence of God's love and he moves in a way that he can only do for that and those whom he truly loves. I hope this is making sense to you. So when we read the word, when we study the word, we should read it and study it to conform to the word. We become, literally to conform, we become shaped in the image and the likeness of the one who's speaking. We become shaped in the word of God. We become the word of God. Did not the word of God say we are living epistles? That meaning that written word of God. I don't know if you know it, but you are supposed to be the word of God. I am the word of God. I am love. I am peace. I am prosperity. I am joy. We are to be the word of God. I hope this is making sense to y'all. And so the number one enemy to your success, whether or not you're going to see Jesus, it lies within your belief systems. Within your belief system. So watch what you think. Turn to somebody, look at them eyeball to eyeball, tell them you better watch what you think. Watch it, watch it, watch it. So the key to your success is that you must put your total trust in God, in His Word. Please note, I said total trust. That means I'm not leaving anything behind. I'm not leaving anything to chance. Everything I've got, I'm putting it in God. Every hope I have, there is no comeback. If it were possible that God could fail me, then I would fail. But it's not possible for God to fail. I'm putting everything on him. Excuse me while I make a shocking analogy. I've never done it, but I've seen and I've heard that in Vegas and other places, they take the chips. And when there's a big bet and they're confident in that fact that they think they're going to win, they push their chips further on the table. Is that right? All right, we're going we're gonna to see who's been up on that. All right. All right. Yeah. You don't hold back nothing. When you know, when you know and you believe it's a sure thing, is there a witness in the house? Yeah, I ain't gonna get no witnesses here. I'm all in. Leaving nothing for the return, return trip. I'm gonna use all my strength to get in the face of God. I'm not gonna leave anything in case I got to run back because I'm not coming back to poverty. I'm not coming back to sin. I'm not coming back to shame. I'm not coming back to disgrace. That's how we've got to be with the Lord. We got to put all, push all our chips before him. Before him. And so we must put our total, even risk, you know what? Until you are willing to risk looking foolish for God, you've not given enough. Because mm -mm. mm. there's going to come a time 
that you're going to have to put up or shut up. Every saint encounters that. Oh, but look at them. They're going to think this. and they're gonna, Oh, I know they're going to talk about me. Oh, what do I do? Do what God says. You got to put up or shut up. The old church called it being sold out for Jesus. You got to be sold out for Jesus. Everything I am, everything I'm not, everything I've got, I give it to Jesus. He's talking a lot about Jesus today. I'm a Jesus man. He's my Lord and Savior. I'm not ashamed. I shot it from the, from the rooftops. Wherever I go, I'm not ashamed. If I'm not ashamed, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power whew, to bring about change. You got to be willing to give it all for the cause of Christ. You must put your total trust in God. Now, I said that you've got to be willing to look foolish in order to get what you really want. Y'all know this short man, Zacchaeus? It, can I tell y'all something? As he climbed that tree, it wasn't, it wasn't only Jesus that was looking at him. Everyone knew he was a crook. Jesus may have been, no, Jesus was saying something different about him. But the other ones, look at that lying thief crook crawling up a tree like, tree like the snake that he is. Oh, y'all never been called out your name? Lying, slippery serpent crawling up the tree. Talking about he want to see Jesus. But you've got to be willing to look foolish for Jesus. You don't have to like it, but it's a fact. You say, you got to be willing to give it all to Jesus. I, See, God is an awesome God. I'm trying to build up the story to the point that Zacchaeus might have been crooked in his ways coming up to this point, but he got it right this time. He got it right this time. And see, some of us want to talk about the Zacchaeuses in our lives or around our lives, but the truth be told, we were all like Zacchaeus. You wasn't cheating on your tax forms, but uh, you weren't you were doing something. <laughs> Let me deal with the story. Dealing with Zacchaeus. And I love this part about Zacchaeus. God in his word uses examples that at first sight we can say, that was a shame what they did. And when we examine a little Closer we examine and find out that we're really not that different. We might not have done the same thing, but we did a similar sin. And to God, all sin is sin. That, that, that's a hard pill to swallow because we tend to categorize sin. But that's not what God says. Lord, I, I just told a little white lie. Can I ask y'all rhetorically, what's the difference between a white lie and a blue lie? What's the difference between a white lie, a blue lie, and a black lie? They all will get you into hell. God calls us to holiness, to righteousness. 
my God. Anything outside of that is sin. But let's examine Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was an unpopular Jew. In fact, they didn't, most of them didn't even want to acknowledge the fact that he was a Jew. Because the Jews who became tax collectors were considered traitors. And so they didn't want to consider them as really one of us who went wayward. No, I know him not. I have nothing to do with this fella. They wouldn't even claim him. So number one, he was a Jew. Excuse me. Number one, he was a tax collector. <clears throat> and then on top of that, he was taking advantage of the people. Thank God there are no saints that take advantage of God's people. Thank God that there are no saint-on-saint -saint crimes. Now you all know I'm messing with you because unfortunately there are too many saint-on-saint -saint crimes. Folk will hug you in front of the masses and get behind you outside of your view and cuss you out in front of the population telling them how bad you are come on y'all I know y'all never seen this sort of thing and you just saw them in church jumping and dancing and shouting and running all around the church and you said what, what, what I know Jesus I know God is not schizophrenic what's going on here you had a mind change but you didn't have a heart change that's the problem in church, yes, I'm talking about us. In church, unfortunately, you have too many people that had a mind change with no heart change. Yes. Amen. Mm. They cleaned up the exterior, but the interior is still like a whited sepulcher, the Bible calls it, full of dead men's bones, hatred and envy. You got to get that inside cleaned up. You might look different on the outside, but until you clean up the inside, things around you are not going to change. Because the true you, the inner you, is going to keep bringing you to places oh, that look like it look or look like it is. So you've got to change the inner you. Yes. <sighs> Let me stay there for a second there. Because I was talking to somebody. Yeah, I, I, I see. The other day, I, I'm so sick and tired of saint on saint crime. Can I, can I just deal with it? Because we, we need to hear this. When you find out who I'm talking about, please tell them what I said. And while you're doing it, make sure you're in the mirror looking at the man or the woman in the mirror. I promise you, you'll get it right then. I'm so sick and tired of people in the name of Jesus declaring that folk that are doing the same thing that they're doing are sinners and are going to going straight to hell but they forget to counsel themselves <laughs> can I just vent a little bit I'm so sick and tired of folk proper lying seen God in a year of months 
wouldn't know his voice if he tapped on their shoulder and introduced himself. And they talk about God said. And can I tell y'all something? Beware. I'm not saying every single time somebody does this, they're, they're prophesying. But, but, but if you're going to prophesy, why do you have to speak in old English? Y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. The King James Version of the Bible is written in the old angels. Thus thou shalt hearken unto thine word. Hearken thus thee. All of that. We're not living in King James. God speaks to you where you are. Why do they have to speak to you in a foreign language that even you don't even really understand? If you're going to prophesy, just say what you see in the spirit. You got to hide behind colloquialisms. You got to hide behind the old English. Thus saith the Lord. No. God told me to tell you. All right. And, 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 and another thing, in this church, in this church, I'm saying this for everybody to know. In this church, we have a rule. See, a society without rules will soon collapse. It'll turn against itself. I'm not saying it in a negative way, but the church, the body of Christ, is a society of believers baptized in the blood of Jesus. We must speak the same language. Are y'all still with me? And so that's why I say, if you are going to prophesy to someone, we say it is a rule in this church that there must be an elder or a witness. And when I say elder, I don't mean just an older person. I mean an ordained elder, ordained, licensed uh, evangelist, missionary, present. Because, and the reason why we came up, can I just share this? The reason, yes, this church and every church, the reason why we have that rule is because we've had too many occasions of folk pulling somebody in the bathroom or in the corner. We got bathroom prophets. We got corner prophets. We got parking lot prophets. If you're so sure what God is saying, you ought to be able to say it in the front of a godly person. You ought to be able to say it in front of a witness. And so we have the rule here that unless it's myself, uh, Pastor Madeline, or Pastor Knott, there has to be a witness when you prophesy. Amen. 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 Because when time becomes pressure, that witness is going to snitch you out. And I'm glad about it. We've had too many people trying to take advantage of folk. Let me look over the audience. Can I tell you? I want y'all to understand. This is, this is time to teach. Y'all got to, you have to understand. There are some people, there are some people that just because they consider themselves as a saint feel like it's your obligation to take care of all of their needs. So they'll call you up in the midnight hour and tell you, God said that tomorrow you're supposed to be at my house at 7.59 and pick me up and bring me grocery shopping. And hold up, hold up, wait, wait, I hear, I hear, well, hold up. And there's this dress that I've been seeing that God said you're supposed to, the devil is a liar. And, and can I tell y'all something? When these things happen, don't get mad at the church. Don't get mad at God. God didn't do it. The church didn't do it. You're just dealing with
with a proper lion. And what I want y'all to do is say, hold up, I hear that you are trying to prophesy to me, but I want you to bring the same prophecy when we're in front of Apostle Knox, when we're in front of Pastor, Prophet, it's madam. I bet they won't prophesy then. And that goes for me too, because I, I know my wife, my wife will shut you down in a minute. Pastor Knotts might use just a itty bitty pizzazz with it, but you still gonna get the same result. Now I know me, and y'all know me. I'm gonna sugarcoat the the point. Uh, the, the, uh, the, the, I'm gonna sugarcoat it just a little bit. Am I dealing with my personality and their personality? Any of y'all that want counsel, you go to Pastor Madeline, you better wear your armor. Because she's not going to mix words. She don't have time for foolishness. She'll see through you in a second and tell you what's real. Pastor Knotts, she's going to be just a, just a little, little bit nicer. Just a little. Not much. She will get you straightened out. And we're not going to talk about me. I know me. But that's not the subject matter. But beware that people want to deceive you. They want to take advantage of you. And after it's all done, when they repent, you still have to embrace them. You don't have to live with them, but you got to embrace them. You don't have to become buddy-buddy and invite them over to your house for dinner, but you still got to embrace them. All right, that was a teaching, a teachable moment. So Zacchaeus had a personality that was repulsive to the people. And then on top of it, the Bible says he was rich. Can I tell y'all something? If God say you're rich, you got money. If the Bible say you're rich. Did y'all hear how rich he was? He says, listen to this. I want y'all to get this. He says, I will give half to the people. And those that I did wrong, I'm going to give them four times. And guess what? He's still going to be rich. He had money. But on top of that, now the people, they got to get it now. He says that this is the son of Abraham. So God has the ability to see beyond your false veneer. He has the ability to see beyond your thoughts of you because many of us know or think that we're just this and we're really no good so we got to fake it. But God sees beyond that. God sees beyond all of that. You're still a child of his. You still belong to him. And God deals with you concerning the truth of you. Oh, with the truth of you, not your perception of you. Could that be why God loves us so much? Could that be why God treats us so good? That because we think we know the truth of ourselves, God knows the future of us. God knows our shall be. It does not yet appear what we shall be. But when Jesus comes, hallelujah, we're going to see the real truth. And the truth is, the reality is, you're really not as bad as you think you are. Mm -hmm. God's got something for you. And God is able to change that. 
Look at somebody and say, God has something for you. And what God has for you, tell him it's all good. And so I talked about Zacchaeus a while because I want to see that, I want to show you that in many ways we're like Zacchaeus. We may not want to see it, we may not want to admit it, admit it but in many, in many ways it should, he should remind us of ourselves because we are all unworthy of God's love and mercy but he loves us anyway. He loves us even, hallelujah, even though we're not what we think we should be, God loves us. And he deals with us from that point. And, and I really like this because, and just to make that point a little stronger, the name Zacchaeus is very interesting. The name Zacchaeus actually means pure, P-U-R-E, pure, clean, righteous. But Zacchaeus wasn't what his name said he was. And the reality is that God has written a name in heaven that pertains to us. That the problem is not that our name is not written in heaven. It's simply that we're not walking in the power of who God says we are. Of what God says our name is. So now we understand why we must be conformed to the image and the likeness of God. We've got to become more like God because I promise you he'll never become like us. Never. Come on and say never. never. So the message in the name to us today is that many of us are not living up to the name that God has given us. But we've got to start living according to what God says our name is. The word says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. But are you acting that way? We must conform to who God says we are. We must conform to what God says we are. So that we can get what God says is ours. God wants us to conquer all hindrances. Zacchaeus had hindrances. He wanted to see Jesus. Is there anybody else in the room that want to see Jesus? Come on, help me out here. I want to see Jesus. Come on and say it again. I want to see Jesus. I want to see Jesus. Watch this. Zacchaeus hears that Jesus is in the area. The first thing that Zacchaeus does to change his situation to, in order that he would see Jesus, the first thing he does is he makes a decision. I said this on other occasions as well. If you want change, the first thing you've got to do is make a decision to change. The first thing that you ought to do is not to simply jump into the change mode because you haven't made up your mind yet. Because if you make up your mind and you make a decision that you're going to change, it's harder once when the trouble comes, it's harder for you to turn back and say, nah, 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 this, this is not what I read. No, you made a decision. Look at somebody and tell them, you got to make the decision to follow Jesus. Tell them, you got to make the decision to see Jesus. Make a decision that he will not allow so that you will not allow anything to prevent you from getting into the presence of God. And then he recognized his shortcomings. We don't like to admit this, saints, but we all have shortcomings. His number one shortcoming was that he was short of stature. He was a short person, little in stature. But it didn't change his desire to see God. 
Some of y'all think you need this and you need that in order to live holy, in order to live safe. Oh, if I could just get this one out of my life. Oh, if I could just stop doing this. Whatever, whatever, whatever. All these things. You first got to look and see what your limitations are. A man's strength is found in knowing his limitations. I'm going to say that once again. A man's strength is found in knowing what his limitations are. Because uh, if you know what your limitations are, now you know what to ask for. You know when to ask for help. You know when to pull on the grace and mercy of God. So you got to first make the decision. And then recognize your shortcomings. The Bible says that he climbed the tree so that it would give him a vantage point to see Jesus. Remember, his whole aim was to see Jesus. What is your aim today? What is it that you want more than anything? What are you looking for? What are your shortcomings? How do you overcome your shortcomings? Because if there's a problem, there is a way that you can overcome your problem. There's a solution to every problem. I like to give the example about uh, like this. The problem. Can God? Yes. The solution. God can. Yes. Will God? Yes. God will. <sighs> Remember, it's dealing with your belief system. I believe that God will. I believe that God can. I believe that God has the ability to make the difference in my life. And here's the big one, all right? I know what my limitations are. I made my decision. Now what do I do? I get my strategy and I execute. That's all about starting, saints. In this room, there are so many people. I want peace of mind. I want this. I want that. But have you executed your plan? Have you really started your walk toward the place of peace? Toward the place of success? Toward the place of receiving what it is that you say you desire? What a happy home. That dream job. That right, for me, that right relationship with God. I want more of God. What are my limitations? I want more of God. I made a decision. Whatever it is, I'm going to seek him with all of my heart, with everything that's in me. For him, it was necessary for him to climb a tree. So he executes his plan, and he goes, he starts his walk up a tree. Can I tell y'all something? It's not natural or normal for people to climb trees. Now, I know there may be some jungle boys and jungle girls in the room. But let's face it, it's not natural, it's not normal. But you can do it. Can I, can I, can I just, let me just, let me just check the room. How many in the room has ever climbed at least one tree? Ooh, wait a minute, most of them are girls. What in the car? I thought that was a man thing to do. Please excuse me. Can I just see the hands of those, again, that have at least tried climbed a tree at least halfway? What kind of mess? Sister Margaret, what you doing in the tree? <laughs> but it's not natural. It's not normal. But you can do it. See, God gives you the ability to do things that you think you can't do. God gives you the ability to do unnatural things. It's called a miracle. Amen. Hallelujah. How willing are you to climb the tree? <sighs> to climb the tree. So here he is. 
Zacchaeus climbed the tree. Now you know everybody was looking at him, saying different kinds of things. As you're doing the unusual but godly, as you're doing the crazy but necessary, folk are gonna look at you and say, what's wrong with you? Did you lose your mind? But there's something that you want. If it's something extraordinary that you want, you're going to have to do something extraordinary. Something you've never done before because this is the greatest thing that you want in your life. I want to spend eternity living with Jesus. It doesn't just happen. Hallelujah. You've got to do something special, something ordinary. Sometimes you've got to put people out of your lives. Sometimes you've got to lay down some things and stuff, but it's worth it. You've got to be willing to look silly. Girl, you've been in relationship with that person all these years. How you just going to cut them off? Look, they were pulling me down. See, that's going to minister to somebody in the room. Every time I talk to them, they saying something contrary. You ever deal with people that they start out with a compliment, but by the time the conversation finishes, they got you wanting to crawl under a rock? The devil is a liar. Let him go! There will be all kinds of temptation. You're on your way to a better place. You're on your way to see Jesus, but you got to keep a grip. Look at somebody and tell them, get a grip. And tell them, keep a grip. Hallelujah. You got to get a grip. See, you can't just, just scanty on up the tree. Every time you take a step, it's got to be calculated. As you, as you process in the presence of God, every step has to be calculated. And you got to have your grip. You all know what a grip is. I mean, you dig into that thing. You're not going to let anybody's words throw you off. You're not going to let any, any lies pull you back or pull you down. You got to get a grip. Come on, somebody. Look at somebody eyeball to eyeball. Tell them, get a grip. You got to get a grip. Grip. I want y'all to see it this way. Grip. G-R-I-P. Grip. Grace resting in place. I mean, you got a hold of this thing. God's grace, which is mercy, which is power, which is endurance, which is push, which is pull. It's God's ability to get you from where you are to where you're trying to get to. It's God's ability to get you to, to that place. But you got to have that grip. You got to have God's grace resting in place. Resting in place. Resting in place. Gotta have your grip in the tree of life. Your grip in Christ Jesus. When you got a grip, it's hard for anything or anyone to pull you away. That's how we gotta see. We gotta have a grip on truth. We gotta have a grip on Christ. In him we live, we move, and we have our very existence. Look at somebody again and tell them, get a grip. Get a grip. Zacchaeus encounters, his encounter with Christ moved him to make a major change in his life. He was willing to give up any and everything that he had to in order to just stay in the presence of Jesus, to have this changed life. How bad do you want it and how bad do you want to keep it? It's not just for an experience. God doesn't want to just touch you. He wants you to remain by his side. He doesn't want just a, a, a temporary encounter. He wants a relationship with us. And that's what we must do. <sighs> Say, Lord, I'm going to prove this thing. See, 
What you say is great. That is the beginning of proving that you made a change. But what you do thereafter proves that you want this thing. Zacchaeus said, Lord, did you notice Jesus didn't require that of him. He was so moved and so wanting this thing. He said, Lord, half of what I, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to give it away. I'm going to give it to the people. I'm going to give it. He said, and, by the way, and so he admits that he's cheated people in that he said, and if I have defrauded anyone, I'm going to give them four times of what I took. Yeah. And you see, this is the wonderful part. You don't lose when you give for the cause of Christ. You're still going to be rich. I told y'all before, giving away half plus four times, but he was still a rich man. Hallelujah. And in my closing, look at somebody say, he's closing now. Here's the greatest thing. Zacchaeus demonstrated an outward change by his he, he proved and demonstrated an inward change. That's what I want to say. An inward change by his outward action. See, when you've really been touched by God, when you've really been in the, in the presence of God, somebody's going to know it because you're going to act different. You're going to do things different. And that's really what we're looking for. That's what the people outside of the room are looking for. That's what we inside of the room are looking for from you. We're looking to see a change. We're looking to see that there's been a difference. You can't be in the presence of the Lord and still be the hateful person that you were. You can't receive the love of God. You can't receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit and then act the same way that you did before you had the Holy Spirit. You can't have an encounter with God and act the same. God wants us to be closer to him. Everybody's standing. God wants us to be closer to him. God actually wants for us what we want for us. I want to see Jesus. I want to be closer to God. I have a question for you this morning. Can anyone see that you have changed? Can anyone see, because it ought to be visible, that there's a difference in you, that there is a different you? A changed heart is proven by changed behavior. Lord, help us today to not just speak with words about a change that has taken place. But Father, I pray that you would help us that even if we don't say a word, truth shall be revealed by our actions. Help us to love one another. Help us to execute your word. Help us to be quick to obey you in season and out of season, when it's convenient and when it's not. Help us, Lord, to demonstrate your love. And help us, Father, to keep a firm grip on our relationship with you. We love you, Lord. We bless your name. And I thank you for this word that has gone forth today. Let it, O oh God, take root in the hearts and the minds of your people now that it shall be demonstrated that the people shall know you even by seeing you in me. And we bless your name and we praise your name in Jesus' name. Hallelujah.